The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And I am proud to say that we are talking about movies I enjoy today. <laughs> I know you're a fan of the second film today, but I'm glad that you say you said you enjoyed both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's especially nice given the follow-up to what we had to endure last week. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I, st- I still, f- yeah. I still feel a little bit. It's still there, and it hurts. I hope it's not like continuous. I want it to fade away at one point. <laughs> just go out. Just like I want it to be like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, except instead of forgetting. Uh, someone that broke my heart. I want to forget a movie that ruined my entire life. <laughs> just, just, get, just get out of there. <laughs> just get out of there. You know, but on the other hand, it, it, I'm able to appreciate other things a bit more. Like a certain movie that came out uh, the, oh. this weekend. And we're speaking on July 18th, 2021. We, bo- we each saw a certain movie that came out. And that movie my friends. And this is not the main conversation, this is just our pre-show conversation. Um, uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy. This, yeah, this is, this is, this actually happened, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is, this is true. Um, yeah. Um, I think it's safe to say that we both, we each saw this at home, mm-hmm. but I feel like we ha- we each had different experiences with it at home, you said you saw it twice. I did. The, well, the first time I, I watched it in halves, because I, I started, I, I decided I'd just to start watch it, start watching it at like um, three in the morning, so I was still awake. Normally, I was just, normally I just, if I'm still awake, I'll, I'll especially on like a Thursday night, um, going to Friday, I'll stay up and I'll watch like the new Bad Badge episode because I usually just more excited about that anyway. But mm-hmm. um, I forgot. I was like, "Oh yeah, Space Jam comes out," and I was excited because I have nostalgia for the original. I watched all the way up until they actually start playing basketball, and then I fell asleep. And then I tried to watch a little bit of it. Well, no, I tried to watch a little bit of it on my break at work, and uh, the Wi-Fi was terrible, so that didn't work out. Um, then I watched the rest when I got home. And then I watched it a second time with my parents. And they both liked it. They both had a good time. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, I watched this once. And I I set up, like, my my big projector screen, my projector to watch it. I watched it with Dr. Feehan and Mike. And um, it was one of those things where I think my expectations were just so low 
like mm. really really low and also because i i had watched the original space jam not that long ago it's not a good movie it's not like it, it no it's... but you know what it entertains me admittedly <laughs> There, there are. It has its moments, definitely. I'm not going to dispute that. Um, but it's one of those films from my childhood where I can definitively say, yeah, that for me it didn't age well at all. Like it was just. There's so many things about that one where you're just like. But I will say, in comparison between my two nostalgic experiences within a very short period of time, Space Jam far outweighs the Pest. And I will watch Space well, yes, Jam yeah, that, that, far before definitively. watching The Pest. That should also be noted. But after watching Space Jam A New Legacy, which is a movie I don't intend on watching ever again, and uh, but is is also something that I feel like, because of my experience, I enjoy, ended up enjoying it more than the first one. Mm. I felt like the, the stories in these things are dumb. Okay, they're, they're, yeah. they're just dumb. They're they're generic like it's generic sports story like it's like the first one's not even a generic sports movie story the second one very much is it's like I don't want to do what you do dad I want to do me come on son you'd be great at this la 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 and I'm like at least there was something going on because that first movie I'm just like I was watching like I feel like I'm watching outtakes from the Last Dance documentary i think with it i think for me it, it, it a lot of it comes down to michael jordan versus lebron as mm-hmm. personalities and i like jordan just clearly didn't it felt like he just clearly didn't want to be there like he was just he was just he just couldn't be asked to do anything whereas lebron like he's not he's not gonna be winning oscars anytime soon he's not like he's not a great actor but it's like there are at least parts where I at least felt like there was some, I emphasize the word some, <laughs> some effort. And I liked some of the Looney Tunes gags that were in the, that were in this movie. There were some fun, there were some fun moments with them. So I think I, I again, I, I still think I like the original a lot more admittedly. Um, I do think as far as performance, LeBron is probably better. But I, I guess I just liked how casual Michael Jordan was, oddly enough. <laughs> like, like, like he just shows up in in Looney and like the Looney Tune like underground or whatever, like Middle Earth Looney Tunes, and he's just like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> and he, that, but that's you know my what? letterbox review. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> but and then like and then like Wayne Knight shows up. And he's like, you know, your friends are cartoon characters, and he's like, yeah. So and I'm like, progressive. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> he doesn't judge. <laughs> no, but but uh, see, I, I think my favorite thing is I think this is a gif I'm just going to use more frequently now is when Bill Murray comes in. <laughs> or, or even like D- Daffy Duck just going, "How did you get here?" It's like, "Oh, the, I'm friends with the producer, so I had a teamster drop me off." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like the new one, I will say the new one surprised me with how much I did end up enjoying it. Like I liked Wiley e. Coyote as a war boy about as much as I liked <laughs> um, Bugs Bunny as Patton. Or, or Albert Fudd and Yosemite Sam as Vincent and Jules from Pulp Fiction. 
So, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, the R-rated movie references aren't necessarily off-brand, but it just it's funny. Uh, and then just just seeing Wiley Coyote do like the the paint thing <laughs> with his sign, witness me. That was kind of funny. I admittedly like that. As far as movie references, Wiley and Roadrunner got some great moments in this movie. They did, they did. Um, and I liked. Uh, I, even though I knew it was coming, I will admit I thoroughly laughed out loud when Michael B. Jordan shows up. That was a that was actually that was that was actually really funny. <laughs> I'm so glad they did that. He's like, you didn't get Michael A. Jordan, but you got Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> He's like, does he look like his airness? No, <laughs> but he. But you know what? He came in and he tried. Yes, he he did. But but I, I think my personal favorite part of the movie was when Don Cheetah was like, King Kong ain't got nothing on mm-hmm. me. And Kong just crosses his arms and like, pouts. <laughs> like, when that's available as like a GIF and like a HD picture, that's going to be like my cover photo on Facebook, <laughs> I think. You know what? I, 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 I immediately was like, that's a Joey moment. I think <laughs> there's always moments I go, I think they did this so Joey would like this movie. <laughs> like this movie. No, there, there's so many like weird things like, like, like Feehan was pointing, I was like, like Joe, who, who the hell is that guy? I'm like, that's the guy from the Herculoids, which is like this obscure, like Hanna-Barbera cartoon. There's all these like Easter eggs and a lot of them don't amount to a hill of beans. Another uh, Warner Brothers Easter egg I just dropped in there, but you know, uh, <laughs> Um, I will, I will say this though, um, as far as Space Jam on a, on a, on a personal level, uh, I mentioned last week how I thought, and I haven't, I don't know like the numbers at this point and that's, that's your thing. You look that up and then you just tell me later. That's how I figure it out. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a feeling it was going to be busier than Black Widow. And I can tell you, at least from a local standpoint, it very much was. And so I'm kind of tired again. (laughs) Yeah, I, and I, I was also not surprised to hear that on your end because Ohio and LeBron. It's like it. It's not just Ohio because here's the thing: I live in the northeastern area of Ohio, which is mostly famous for like we have Cleveland, where the Cavaliers are, where LeBron James played twice and won a championship for one, which is the first championship a Cleveland team has won in a very long time. Um, and also the Northeastern Hemisphere is Akron and Canton, um, which are essentially neighbors. I was actually born in Akron, Ohio, six years after LeBron James, which is weird to think about. Um, and outside of, like, LeBron, Akron is probably known for, like, Goodyear tires, uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, and maybe to a lesser extent, sadly, the Black Keys. But LeBron James is by far our most prominent, like, claim to fame. Like, even, like, a local a local uh, restaurant near me that's, like, a hometown restaurant. It's, like, a huge mansion place has this salad dressing that apparently LeBron James loves and takes with him when he can. He lives on the same street, more or less, that my mother works on in, in a another part about half hour away from me uh you drive down the street uh in in a in a part in akron and you will see a sign that says birthplace of lebron james like he's jesus like 
this is where he's from. And he's the, basically, he's the Michael Jordan of this generation, hence being in Space Jam 2. So mix the nostalgic people in our age group with all the families, and especially in this area, pretty much everyone that, you know, lives there, because, you know, LeBron James is Akron proud and whatnot. Not that Akron's bad at all, it's just he is very Akron proud. Um, yeah, uh, long story short, Space Jam nearly killed me. <laughs> like, last night was bad at work, I'll just say that. Like, I, I again, I've said I work at a movie theater, I'm not saying which one. Um, and uh, it was hell. Like, like, like everyone at work was like, this is crazy. I'm like, that's a nice way to put it. And they're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and again, shout out to all my coworkers who had to endure a lot of really unfortunate stuff, um, stuff breaking terrible customers that come in every Saturday. Um, and especially those that have had to be there the entire day, like myself. So that should also be said, but I think I think we need to move on now because I'm getting sad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Space Jam. It, it it was probably better than what we expected it to be, but again, that doesn't mean it's that great. Um, nah, yeah. You know. So, uh, but please actually just let us know what what you thought about Space Jam. What's your favorite Easter egg that pops up in Space Jam? Uh, just just let us know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're gonna move on now to the first uh, phase of our conversation today. Uh, today we're talking about two Arabian uh, Arabian Nights like fantasy films. Mm-hmm. And this first one is 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 a big one for this guy. He he loves this movie. Like he tells me about it all the time and now he's finally had a chance to show it to me. Yes, this is easily one of my all-time all-time favorite movies. It always just puts a smile on my face whenever I watch it. Um, and that film is the 1940 remake, The Thief of Baghdad. I was going to make a noise, but I, it's, not my, it's not my shtick. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, am I not hearing something? Is there something I'm missing? And my audio just <laughs> completely drop out? I was very concerned. I was, I was trying to drag something out to get to a point where I can think of some sort of noise I can make. Oh, you know what I should have done? Ha! (laughs) (laughs) That's what I should have done. (laughs) Shit. I just now thought of it. (laughs) Oh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Anyway. um, The Thief of Baghdad. This is... um, I know we're going to talk about it later, but this is... uh, for basically like a a sort of i guess is not a great word for it but like prototype aladdin in a lot of ways like there's a lot of aladdin aladdin takes a lot from this yeah yeah so like it's sort of like you know it's it's one of those things where like if you would watch a movie and then you go and watch this you can see where the ideas for that future movie came from kind of thing right is that a good way to put it i would yeah i would definitely i would definitely say that um as I said, this was a remake of the silent uh, Douglas Fairbanks version of Thief of Baghdad, which is like two and a half hours long, is one of the best silent movies, but is a really long movie, and I personally prefer this one, mm-hmm. honestly. And, and I appreciate great. not watching a 
<laughs> a two hour long silent movie unless it's Metro- like metropolis is the only one i've been able to like be cool with at this point so far right but i i appreciate that a little bit admittedly <laughs> i mean yeah this is a huge difference because this movie's like 100 minutes long oh yeah Te- technicolor production sound movie it's got it's got the works um it's got songs and whatnot too it's got songs yes yeah <laughs> yes, like, it's, it's not does. a musical it's not a musical but like i was surprised like there's an opening song number that's pretty cool there's an opening song number they they repeat songs a couple times the songs actually weave into the score like thematically like i think about sabu's song i want to be a sailor like and like that like that you hear that in the score like weaved in nicely um mm-hmm. you know so it, it's not a musical per se but it, it's a movie that has songs <laughs> that's you know what that, that's cool i'm 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 definitely cool with that sorry my my dad i think either my dad or someone is mowing currently so if you hear that i'm sorry um uh, I, I might i may end up hearing that like when i'm editing this but basically the Thief of Baghdad uh, is is an Arabian is an Arabian fantasy movie, basically, and it's told in flashback too, which is kind of wild. But basically, you have this uh, you you have ki- King uh, <laughs> King Ahmed, uh, played by uh, white man John Justin. That's a big thing with this with these movies. Absolute white man, <laughs> or as um, um or as I as, as I as I like to say to quote Bo Burnham straight white man (laughs) yeah pretty much it's a whole song it's a great song by the way anyway (laughs) but but prince ahmed um he is not liked by his people even though he he kind of wants to change that but a lot of that has to do with his uh his his vizier jaffer (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry it just it was it's it's such a contrast to hear Jaffer knowing, like the character Jafar, and yet the name is literally the same thing, but with one extra added letter, and that's another F, and then they just pronounce it Jaffer. It it makes it kind of makes me think of and you know again Batman reference surprise surprise. It makes me think of how like whenever I watch Batman Begins and they call Ra's al Ghul Ra's al Ghul. And I'm like, that's not his name. <laughs> Stop it. Jaffer is played by the incomparable Conrad Veidt. I mean, just, um, I mean, he all over, like, just great movies. Uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, you know, he he's so memorably creepy. Like, just the eyes. I'll always remember that, that the eyes in that one. Um, uh, the man who laughs, you know, big, big influence on the Joker Mm -hmm. and, uh, for, for people who are maybe more familiar with movies from the forties, he's of course very famous as major Strasser in Casablanca. Also starring Yosemite Sam and LeBron James, according to space jam, a new legacy. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely interesting to see Ingrid Bergman play playoff scenes with Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to bring that after. Like, I remember that was coming up, and I just felt like it needed to get referenced. To say. That was the only time you were ever going to bring that up. But anyway, uh... <laughs> sorry. Um, but yes, Conrad Conrad Veidt's great. 
Conrad Veidt's great, but anyway, he's terrible. He's an awful person, and basically, through a series of events, uh, kicks Ahmed out of his throne, and then Ahmed, Ahmed is arrested and joins forces with a thief, Abu the Thief, played by uh, amazing, uh, amazing, you know, superstar Sabu, and they go on adventures. Uh, Ahmed meets the princess, uh, <laughs> who doesn't have a name in this. Uh, June June Dupre, I think, is the actress's name, but the princess does not have a name. This is the kind of movie we're dealing with here. I didn't notice that, but now that you point that out, I'm like, yeah, they just call her the princess the whole time. That's like, oh wow, she's just the princess. Uh, and then through a series of events, um, Ahmed is is cursed to be blind, and then Abu is cursed to be a dog. And then afterwards, their their curse is reversed. But then you know, he, Ahmed still wants to be with the princess and has to retake his throne. And Sabu and him, uh, Abu, but the actor is Sabu. But Abu and him are separated. Abu goes on his own adventures, finds a genie, and the rest is just magic <laughs> <laughs> stuff just just to happen you know stuff happens in this one guys mm. trust me <laughs> if you don't believe us just listen you'll hear more stuff later <laughs> about what happened um but i think one of the big one of the big things with this movie is is the technicolor production and just the overall production design of this thing mm. it's absolutely gorgeous didn't you say one of the people involved was one of the Red Shoes guys? Yes, let me just double check. I think it's Michael Powell. Yeah, Michael Powell uh, was one of the code- was one of the one of the credited directors. There's three credited directors on this movie, and he of course uh, co-directed The Red Shoes with Emmerich Pressburger. Um, we talked about that movie um, a while ago. Check that one out. On, on on our on our show we talked about the red shoes paired with fan of the opera um yeah this was produced this is a Brit, uh, a british movie produced by alexander corda who was a big who was probably like the producer in in england at that mm. time like he was like typically if you're going to see a movie from that period you'll you'll see like alexander corda presents more than was like, he like he he was involved in a lot was he like the british equivalent to the guy that that made like produced like kong and all those movies it was kind of a big producer that time um he was a, yeah he he was big i mean i'm th- I, I like it's actually funny you say that because i think i do think about um what david o selznick he he was a producer on he was a like a the studio head on on kong and then gone with the wind and a bunch of he was a big he was a big deal is what i'm trying to say and um this was a big production and this in fact because of world war ii and all that this production had to move continents like it was, it was in England for a bit, but World War II was going on. They moved it to America. Then they had to reshoot stuff because Sabu grew three inches. You know, Sabu was a child, was a child actor, so you know they had to contend with that. Uh, a lot of stuff happened with this production, but it ultimately triumphed for a number of things. It won uh, the Academy Award for cinematography, for art direction, and for special effects. I think that's pretty well deserved honestly like some of the stuff is was pretty like the i think the thing that made me think of the red shoes a lot was not just the technicolor aspect but also like the bit when um the the silliest silliest sultan i've ever seen in my life um (laughs) gets 
a mechanical horse that they like put together like a rector set or like a like a like a Lego set and then he just like rides it into the sky. Yep. Like that that very much made me think of like the the scenes in the red shoes, like especially that whole like elaborate stage the show. Dream. The, like the yeah. show within a show kind of thing. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of like really like strange moments. Like when you have like this the silver maiden like with the multiple with the multiple arms uh, that's getting ready to kill the Sultan and has the fa- very famous at least for us anyway, the very famous Oh <laughs> <laughs> That was the best part in the in, 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 in sadly in kind of an ironic way. Well, that part probably made me laugh the most, and I felt kind of, I was like, I don't know if that was the intention here. It was just like, the Sultan sees this thing that um, Jaffer (laughs) gave to him, and he he literally is just like, he's like, what is this? (laughs) He's like, oh, can I, like, trade this and get a bunch of these instead of my wives? (laughs) He's like, it'll embrace you better than anything. Let it, let it embrace you. And then it does, and then he goes. It tick. She tickles. <laughs> she pulls out a knife. She pulls out like a like a like a pick or like some sort of like poker. Stabs him back, and he just goes, "Ha!" <laughs> yeah, and you could clearly tell like that character had some influence on on the Sultan in Aladdin, who's also a very silly Sultan. Like that. That's the big thing with like Aladdin is that uh, Jack in for Aladdin Jafar. Um, you know, very much that grand, like grand vizier type, and like the, mm-hmm. the silly, like childish, like sultan. Both definitely big elements, but also a big element for this um, is the genie, played by Rex Ingram, uh, who is uh, very, very boastful, has a lot of personality when he comes into the picture. He comes into the picture much, much later. Was he? Did you expect him to be a more, like, a bigger part of the movie? Very much so. I was kind of I was kind of bummed that we I mean for a brief moment that we got him he I, I really enjoyed him but I I honestly thought at some point like I I was, I was literally sitting there going when's the genie showing up where what the hell is this guy <laughs> what's happening <laughs> and then like he find and then like Abu finds the lamp on like a beach or whatever at, uh, excuse me on like a beach or whatever when he and Ahmed are separated and I, I I was like, I, at first I didn't realize it was the lamp, and I think again a lot of it is just because I have that wired into my brain because of Aladdin, all the stuff like mm-hmm. what the lamp should look like and stuff, and I didn't expect it to just look like uh, like a bottle essentially, like sort of like an elaborate bottle that maybe got like lost at a shipwreck, um, and so he just pops it, and then and then you just see like black smoke coming out, and then you hear. <laughs> <laughs> and this big old dude pops out who looks like a gene like he definitely it looks like i mean he's definitely a like a big naked man in a diaper but he looks like a genie he's got the top knot he's got these like great like makeup on his face and uh so i was excited to see him i just i would just would have liked to see more of him and especially when he flies yeah, that that was uh, that was definitely something amusing for you, like seeing like the doll <laughs> genie, or like seeing Sabu hold on to like the genie. You see this fake ear, and they see the <laughs> hair blowing in the wind. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. Oh! 
like it was definitely like for like an effect of the 40s it was cool but like it it, it was a little silly but like I, I was okay with it like it didn't take me out of the movie or anything it, it was just fun yeah like um you know that i i love like those are some of my favorite parts of the movie are when sabu and rex ingram as the genie are together on screen they have some good chemistry i think about uh, one of my favorite bits is where uh sabu is able to like trick the genie into going back into the lamp <laughs> into his bottle basically <laughs> and he's just like look who's small now huh <laughs> let me out <laughs> i think that's my biggest thing with this movie is sabu is just so great he's such an entertaining presence on screen he's very delightful actually i think i'll remember him more than most of the other characters especially ahmed who's just kind of like 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 he's you know he's doing his thing but he's just kind of like as basic as you need him to be for a movie like this maybe so that everybody else can shine yeah and you know he has his his love his love story with the princess which you know like in a lot of movies around this era is very like you know love at first sight kind of thing very love at first sight but i do like the dialogue surrounding that where i i love i love when he said when, when she says to her where, where did you come from from the other end of time to find you. Well, how long will you stay till the end of time? I love, I'm a sucker for stuff like that, but keep going. <laughs> Sorry. It was very Shakespearean, actually, that bit. Not, I, I liked the, I did like the, the the back and forth. And yeah, no, that's that was all I had to say on that. <laughs> it was, it, 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 he had, like, I was, okay, he had his moments, you know, obviously with his love story, but I think, Abu was the character that I was always most interested in. And I got so sad when he got turned into a dog. Like, yeah, dogs are cool, yes. but, you know, you get turned into a dog, that kind of sucks. And then the part when, like, you know, the dog gets, like, picked up and that really, like, sca- like that, that just yeah. scared the hell out of me. On one hand, I'm glad that um, animal rights, like, you know, humane society stuff is more involved with movies now because I don't know if like you'd be able to pick up a dog like that in in movies these days. No, but I'm also glad that he turned back into Abu. Uh, <laughs> so that that because I didn't even realize. Like I, I probably should have. Is does he even say what the dog's name is before the flashback starts? I don't remember. No, I don't. Th- I don't. Th- I don't think he ever does. But I think. I, I... So they do leave it as like a suspenseful thing. So to find out, oh god, the dog is actually his, like the the kid that's helping him, the thief. I, I think it, it creates it creates an impact too, because when you see that scene, it's it's kind of it's kind of creep. It's kind of crazy when that happens. I mean, because I, th- I think about I, the first thing I thought about was Pinocchio when like the kids turned into donkeys. And you can't really mm-hmm. do that with live action without extensive like makeup, and I think the way they're able to do that with like, like you you, you see like Conrad Veidt who's terrific in this movie by the way, and like you see like him like having like this intense stare at them, and you see his big shadow, and like you see like Sabu sort of look like he's shrinking, but it's like it's such it's such a simple thing, but it's so effective, and when he fade and it like fades in, and it, it's it's really wild. It, it's it is actually. Um, and on that note, like when he, when he does the eye thing, it reminded me a lot of Boris Karloff and like, uh, Bela Lugosi cause his eyes do glow, but us also just probably natural for Conrad cause he's got great eyes. He does. Like I am very, I am very, I am very attracted to his eyes. <laughs> Nothing else about him. I, his I, eyes. <laughs> but I also think about like, and this is not a thing that makes me sympathetic for this character, but it, I just think it's terrific acting by him. 
the scene where he's he's talking to the princess, he's just like he talks about like how he has all these powers, but he he wants her he wants her to like love him. Like and he he doesn't want to have to use his powers to do that. I just think it's a, it's such a well done moment. I also think about when he's creating the storm, when he's creating that like that ultimately separates um, Abu and Ahmed, and mm-hmm. he's like wind. It has like this raises <laughs> his arms and is this, this crazy. You know, he gets really intense with it. Like the like all of, I think all of the performers in the movie. You know, again bringing back that whole understanding of the assignment you know meme i think they fit that bill i think they all know what kind of movie they're making and they just they don't they they don't try to do one thing or another they're just like okay this is what this movie needs i think any limitations are more about like character stuff like we talked about like the princess and ahmed like you know Mm -hmm. it's a basic thing but i think john justin and june dupre play it very well um i think i also think the way everybody's photographed is just terrific i think about some of the scenes with with like the, the princess the cinematography is beautiful um I, I again the special the special effects like and like the scenes of action are, are great i think about when um abu is on the flying carpet and he's fl- is flying all over and that that's a lot of fun and of course we talked about the flying horse i also think the scenes where they're at like the temple of that of the eye you know that those are some really, really great scenes. That's really elaborate. Like just to see him like crawl through the big statue and like go through like the statue's mouth and into the statue's eye that's glowing green with this like, like sort of like ocean blue, like sort of turquoise blue. Yeah. Uh, out like just that's just cool. That's just really cool. I I, I like the music a lot in in this movie. Like Miklos Rocha, uh does the music he also did the music for ben-hur so if you're familiar with ben-hur he did the music for that um as well uh but i chariots <gasps> the chariots yes um but this it, it, it's just a really fun movie but i also like that 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 abu is the one who ultimately saves the day he is the thief of Baghdad. he is the thief of baghdad like normally like ahmed would have been like ahmed gets the girl and he gets his kingdom back and all that but you know abu is really the one that saves everybody and it's, it's kind of interesting, like, you know, too, like, even just for, like, a 1940, this movie is over 80 years old, and you have a person of color, like, is the one that, like, saves the day in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that's actually and really he's, cool. And, like, he's, he's the, ti- yeah, like, he's the title character, he saves the day, he, like, the whole movie is sort of built around his legend, in a way, because they set it up early on saying, like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but, like, something along the lines, like, people will save us from, like, the lowest person, you know? Yeah, like, like the the lowest of the low will will be, like, the king. He, he'll be, like, the, you know, the ultimate hero or something, you know, something to, to that effect. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty neat. Um, it also needs to be mentioned, we alluded to this a few times, that um, this is an Arabian fantasy, and it's pretty white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and even when when you do have like people getting cast like you have Sabu Sabu is Indian and uh Rex Ingram is is African is African American and um the actor who plays Jaffer is from Germany and then you have the white boy John John Justin but you know that it, it has to be said literally his name <laughs> is John Justin <laughs> white boy yeah but but that that's why again it it makes not that it makes it better, but it's like it's cool that Abu, the, Abu's the one that saves the day because it's like if you had like this Arabian fantasy, 
And then you had John Justin as the one who like saves everybody. And it, it, that would have been <laughs> that would have been hard to stomach, I think. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, it it seems like if it was I feel like if it was like any other movie from that era, it probably would have been that way, but I think they made a good move in not having it be that way. Yeah. So I, I, I appreciated that. I appreciated that Sabu had as big a role as he did. Like he's not just like the second banana to Ahmed. He's all, like I almost feel like I was more invested in in what uh, Sabu was doing in the movie versus most anyone else. Yeah, I agree. And um, I was thinking about like the Criterion cover, which is probably my favorite like cover of all their releases. Which, by the way, Criterion, please put this out on Blu-ray. Please, just <laughs> this 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 message has been a long time coming. So we hope you're paying. Attention. We hope you're paying attention. But anyway, um, like the most prominent people on the cover are people of color. Like you have the you have the genie Rex Ingram as the genie. You have Sabu on the cover. They're the big, they're the big focus. Even though Conrad Veidt officially, like as the movie is concerned, is the one that's t like top build. When you look at a lot of the posters, Conrad Veidt is like the top build dude. But clearly, this this Sabu is the star of the show, um, and I, I definitely wanted to give a highlight uh, to Sabu because he is such a unique um, a unique movie personality, and was taken away from us far too soon. Like he, di I don't think he was even forty when he passed away, which is really upsetting. Um, but you can enjoy him in this. He did the Jungle Book two years later. Um, there's some other, there's a couple other movies he's in. He's even in uh, Black Narcissist. Which, if you're a fan of the Red Shoes, definitely check that one out. Um, beautiful, another beautiful Technicolor film. You know, he's more of a supporting role in that one. But again, if you like him as like the lead or the main character, definitely check out Jungle Book. Definitely check out Jungle Book. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed this one. But we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're um, off going off to a land, you know, a faraway place. Uh, you know the rest of the lyrics. Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about our first Arabian Night story, The Thief of Baghdad. And now, on to another Arabian Night. But one, but there's one thing I want to bring up, though. Like, like my fa other favorite part of Thief of Baghdad, I, I hate that I didn't mention this, and I'm sorry. Uh, you cut <laughs> off the song. Listen, you cut off the singing. 
Well, yeah, but but you know what? You would have done the same thing to me because we didn't want to get into too many copyright things. But you know what? If you would have done it like that, I would have been okay with it. <laughs> I tried to Instead disguise saying, it as something else. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention something. <laughs> Listen, I tried to disguise it as something else too, okay? I tried to... Two Are birds you pistachio? <laughs> Are you a disguise -y? I knew what to do. I knew what to do. Um, anyway, what were you saying again? <laughs> I love at the end of Thief of Baghdad where Abu is like, nah, man, I'm going to go on my own adventures. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> or as Because <laughs> when you watch this, you were like, is he just going to be a sidekick? I'm like, just watch the movie. Just watch the movie. <laughs> and then he's just like, nah, I'm out, guys. <laughs> anyway, Aladdin. Arabian Nights, Arabian Nights. Well, I just wanted to. Was... Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's what you. It's what you get because I didn't get to finish nothing. <laughs> are we just gonna have like? Uh, are we just gonna put out like on the channel like your cover of like the Aladdin, just the whole Aladdin soundtrack? I would do that. <laughs> I, I would I'd do that I you know what and I, I'm gonna give a shout out to Ford a uh, friend of the show because he he also is a big Aladdin fan and there were many a times at work we would just stop what we were doing or while we were doing what we were doing we would sing the Aladdin soundtrack <laughs> so that happened a lot that and Hercules we sung a lot I think um but anyways no so uh we're talking about the uh, Disney Renaissance era classic Aladdin, um, which is 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 a movie that uh, is important for both of us. I like I grew up on it. You grew up on it too, right? If I yes, I did. If I I did. Yeah, like I said before, in a lot of ways, this feels a lot like something that was probably heavily inspired by the Thief of Baghdad, like that movie. Um, especially like watching it and just going, oh. I, I, I understand this. Or like, oh, this makes me think of something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's something that is um, amongst the Disney animation, like, library is definitely one of the key standouts to the point where, like, there's so many. There's sequels. There's a Broadway show. There's a remake. There's tons of stuff. This is a big deal. Aladdin is a big deal. Um, very much a big deal for Disney for a lot of reasons. Um you know, uh, you have to start this off by mentioning Robin Williams because you know mm -hmm. it's very much a at least at least as far as this version is concerned, Robin Williams is like the big to me at least the big draw of this version. I was there's there's a whole history as well. I don't I'm, like there's vi there's whole videos dedicated to them on YouTube, so I'll just have I'll just direct you got direct you guys to that. But there's a whole whole thing with uh robin williams time working with disney and especially this one film even just the point the whole point of like you know he didn't want the movie to be sold solely based on him like he wanted the movie to have its own merits and yet and disney agreed to it and yet disney didn't follow any of that agreement and that's just a small taste of like the the back and forth between the two of them should also be noted that uh, he is by far 
like the most prominent most amazing aspect of this movie and like for many people my age you know he is one of the most important like performers you know like the key he he had range he had all he, he could be dramatic he could be funny um i miss him i miss him so much a lot yeah. of time, like it's that's probably that's probably the one like celebrity death that actually like affect like like I'm sad when celebrities die. Don't don't get me wrong on that. I don't know them, and I and I never knew Robin Williams obviously, but I feel like because he, I connected so much with with his performances and his work that he became that important in a weird way, right? And so that was kind of a big one when he passed away. Um, but going to a going to Aladdin, like this is the one for many people. Myself is probably the one that really kicked off the love we all have for for him and his performances. Because you know the genie is such an iconic character. I have uh, a toy box Disney Store exclusive figure of the genie on my wall, prominently, beautifully hung, because they weren't uh, smart enough to make a genie figure for Disney Infinity when it came out. What's up with that Disney, huh? What up with that? You made Aladdin and Jasmine? Cool, fine, whatever. But where's Genie? What are you doing? I'm sad you're gone, but what are you doing? Yeah, that is upsetting. They didn't even get a Jafar either. And then you know what the worst part would have been? If if the game was still going on now, we would have gotten like the Will Smith version. Right. Which, you know, he he was fine. He's entertaining in the movie. He did He did as good as he did. He did pretty good for having to fill those shoes but even so if i was gonna pick between the two genies i'd want for that game <laughs> you know what i you know what i'll say maybe they could have had like a power disc like now we're going off in disney disney infinity tangent just but like, something just this something. like a power disc where, where you could change between the two because i actually do like the design not the cgi the way the cgi was implemented because that could that that's some like uh, you know, valley, um, you know, un, uh, uncanny valley stuff. Uncanny, yeah. But like, I think, I think, like, as a concept, like the Will Smith genie design looks really cool, in my opinion. But uh, anyway, let's like Robin Williams as the genie. Like this character, it it was definitely has a huge impact on us, but also had a huge impact on the way Disney markets and releases their animated things. I think about Moana. And, like, yes, Moana's a great character, strong female protagonist and all that, but guess what you end up remembering also about Moana and the way it was marketed? The Rock as Maui, who's basically, like, the genie in that movie. And that, I'm not trying to say it's a bad thing or anything like that, but that is, like, that is a big a big part of these movies, as we've talked about before, is the marketing, um, you know, and having that big, having that big celebrity name attached to it. Uh, but... Yeah, like Robin, I, I think, but what works about it isn't just that it's a celebrity voice, is that Robin Williams, there's a lot of, like, funny parts of the genie, but there's a lot of warmth with that character, and... Mm. It's, it's, it's a performance. Yeah. It's, like, that, I think, yeah, it's, it is a performance, like, it's funny, because, you know, right now, um, you know, spoiler alert, I'm watching a certain Netflix show for a, a future episode, very a very uh, recent future episode with a uh, with an actor on there, very famous actor, very great actor, who you wouldn't know is in the show if uh, you heard his voice initially from this because he's actually giving 
an incredible performance and Matt and, and masking his voice, regardless of whether, you know, you know, whether he's famous or not. He did the same in star Wars hint, um, the force awakens. I mean that one, um, and Robin Williams, while obviously the genie is very tailored to, to, to Robin Williams comedic style. Um, it doesn't mean that he's not actually making that character come to life in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. And, will always remember him and like all the different uh like impressions he does but also just how much like I, I to this day i still tear up at the end of the movie when aladdin frees him when he says genie you're free and you hear that big music build up and then you see like you see him kind of like surprised and his and his wristbands break and he, and then he's just like wish uh, wish for the now go ahead I wish for the now no way <laughs> and and he's like so happy it's so like euphoric and it's just beautiful and you just start crying I love that moment I love it so and much it, it is also just not just like because there's so many times where it's like you don't really believe like buy into like the friendship but you really do get the sense that the genie cares for Aladdin like there's so, like there's so many so many moments uh, throughout, and a, a big thing of that is the animation, but also a huge thing is Robin Williams. Um, you got to talk about you know I think a big thing with this movie is that it it appeals to both boys and girls. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like when you talk to like boys with Disney movies, I feel like it's either Lion King or Aladdin <laughs> or both. <laughs> Lion King or Aladdin. Sometimes Tarzan or Hercules, but you know those are. Um, sometimes, uh, no, nah, that might be it. Honestly, <laughs> I think those are the big ones, really. <laughs> yeah, those are those are honestly the big ones. They, I mean, you got big muscular dudes and swords and vines and you know fighting, so you like you got all that stuff. So that's 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 something that boys like. Um, that's something that guys want. I think that's a song. Anyway. <laughs> um, I know what boys like. <laughs> this is turning into a musical episode. So, um, no, Aladdin, Aladdin, uh, I would definitely put in that category. Because there's, I mean, there's some, like, scary stuff in the movie. There's some big action scenes. The whole, the whole ending with giant snake Jafar is a giant action sequence. With, with, uh, him getting the sword... And like fighting it with stuff, like damn. But I also th I think about when they're escape trying to escape the cave of wonders. Yeah, that that is a why that, that that still thrills me to this day. Why is that not a ride at Disney? It's an exciting. It's a very exciting scene. No, we have a Dumbo clone of of Aladdin at the Magic Kingdom. Basically, I was just learning that Disney does Aladdin dirty. <laughs> sounds like <laughs> like no Disney Infinity Genie, no good ride. What up? What up? Be honest, Disney. <laughs> Why do you hate Aladdin? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, but I mean, you have, like, the, there's some big action set pieces, and the main character, I mean, yes, we have Princess Jasmine, but the main character is a guy. It's Aladdin. Uh, speaking voice, uh, Scott Weiniger, or, or as you like to point out, Steve from Full House. <laughs> Steve from Full House. He's DJ's boyfriend for like the longest for the long run of the show. There is an episode like I've talked about this before. Like there's that there's that whole point in like '90s sitcoms, especially ones owned by ABC, 
uh, where they had the characters go to Disney World and they'd film a whole episode. Full House probably has one of the more famous ones because the whole episode is... I think it came out around the same time Aladdin came out. And um, Michelle Tanner, you know, one of like one of the Olsen sisters, um, uh, it's her birthday, or she ends up becoming like princess for a day, and so like she's all like, "I am the princess," and like um, she gets lost because no one wants to listen to her because she's the princess, and so then DJ and Stephanie have to find her. I, I I'm so I, I watched the show a lot, so I remember everyone's names. Um, <laughs> so um, <laughs> at the same time, Steve. I guess, uh, was not with them on the trip and she was missing him. And at one point they go past like the Aladdin area or wherever, like, you know, you see Aladdin characters and she looks over and she sees a cast member as Aladdin, but, um, it happens to be Scott Weidegger in the costume because she's remembering Steve, and so when you know the the bat, you know the context, and it just kind of makes it a little bit funnier. <laughs> it is amusing. It's, it's, it's certainly just a amusing. little amusing. <laughs> like, hey, it's actually Aladdin. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 Aladdin, guys. Um, and Aladdin. That's a very that's generally... a very elaborate story. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just really. No, it's okay. Anyway, sorry. Aladdin's sorry, my bad. Aladdin's a generally likable character. You know, mm-hmm. uh, charismatic, really, charismatic. Um, he's a lot of fun, you know, but he's but he he lies about who he is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he lies about who he but they is. Both, they he... both do. They both the both of our leads do to an extent. They literally it feels like they meet each other more or less based on a lie. And then they fall in love sort of based on a lie like. That's kind of the uh, you can I guess that's kind of like the theme of the movie is you know being honest because literally there's points when the genie's like be yourself. <laughs> I was gonna go with all right, Sparky. Here's the deal. <laughs> or, or no, no, tell her the truth. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta sink that in the edit <laughs> yes yes <laughs> or or um i can't believe it i'm losing to a rug that has nothing to do with the theme i just like that bit <laughs> but it just but Rod, rodney dangerfield impressions just always find their way into but that's a <laughs> that's another conversation but let's talk about the themes you know like about being yourself being being true, you know, that's important. I mean, it, it's it is very important, you know, because I mean, the first time Aladdin meets Jasmine is when she is trying to escape from the palace because she's you know she's been stuck there, essentially. Also, there's also like, I think a relevant theme: the feeling of feeling trapped. Mm-hmm. Because you know, especially this past year, a lot of people, though obviously now things are a lot more open than they were, but um early on we were all trapped and a lot of people felt cabin fever and they they wanted to get out um jasmine felt that her entire life she feels like 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 each of the characters feels trapped due to their social their social situ their situations um based on their Mm -hmm. class and and such you know aladdin as as he's referred to as is the street rat you know and he might have he might have a certain level of freedom, but he doesn't have the respect. He doesn't have the power. Jasmine 
has a very pampered existence, however, has to be involved in an arranged marriage due to the, the ancient laws of her, you know, of her kingdom. And the genie is literally trapped in a bottle. And Iago is trapped in a toxic friendship. <laughs> Poor Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Just trapped in that toxic relationship. <laughs> uh, like, so... It's basically all these characters are trying to find some way to escape and some way to uh, get out of their situations. And they try, at least with Aladdin and Jasmine, they, they try lying at first because, you know, they're afraid of how things will play out. So, like, obviously Jasmine's in disguise when she goes into Agrabah because she doesn't know the city. She doesn't know what's going to happen. Um Aladdin, you know, falling in love with Jasmine and finding out she's a princess feels he's not worthy enough because of his status that he will never be able to be with her. Plus the the law of only a prince can marry a princess uses his first wish to become a prince. And then he sort of gets kind of consumed by that notion. He's like, but then he's also kind of like worried, like, oh God, you know, what if they think I'm a fraud? What if they think I'm not good enough? And literally, I, I still like, I still love the bit when, um, when the G, like, I feel like it's such a kind of moment of sincerity, especially with the genie who's like such a zany character. Um, when they're on the beach and Aladdin just goes, What would you wish for? And he goes, No one's ever asked me that before. And like, it, it, it's something that really works, given, especially, you know, given how sincere it, sincere it is, even though that character is so zany. Um, and then you have, uh, then you have Jafar who lives and, and breathes, uh, just his whole existence and his whole lie, manipulating people, manipulating the Sultan, um, you know, to be like, you know, I will marry Jasmine or, you know. I hate. I don't. I don't remember what else he said. He says a lot of things. You, you'll, you'll give me. You'll give me your ring. Yes. You know, and yes. Just thank you. All sorts of uh, backstabbery and manipulation on on Jafar's part. It's one of those like cases where it's just like, can you literally not tell this guy is evil? <laughs> like, like some, some, sometimes, sometimes you're able to be like suspend your disbelief, but like this dude's costume colors are so different from everyone else. It's the same thing with Jafar, in, in Jaffer in the other movie where he's wearing black in a lot of scenes. Like this dude is just wearing like dark colors, dark sinister colors. His hat looks like he has horns. And he, looks, he has and a staff snake is, staff. Like, <laughs> like this dude. <laughs> How do you not look at him and go, I shouldn't trust this guy? And he's like, oh, my lord, I am at your service. Like, no, you're not. You want to eat me or something. I don't know. Get away. Uh, uh, jo Jonathan Freeman does a really good job uh, voicing this, this character. There's a reason he's played Jafar probably, you know, because no one else has ever voiced that character, right? As far as uh, as far as I know, he's done ba uh, other than the live action remake, of course. But like, he's he's done everything. Like he he was even on Broadway. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. 
like it just shows just how important like that vocal performance was and how good it was i mean even like going back to robin williams i mean the same can be said for him too because i mean obviously he had his whole unfortunate back and forth with disney um especially in regards to the marketing stuff um so he never he didn't come back for return of jafar but after settling some stuff at least the first time amongst their couple of debates he came back and voiced the genie for the third film for the sequel yes which i like i'll always remember to this day and i always get excited when he does a mrs doubtfire reference <laughs> listen to genie dear genie knows you've got to get your mind off this incentive waiting <laughs> hello <laughs> um but no like it's 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 definitely a, it shows how great of a performance it is when you're constantly being asked to come back in various iterations to voice this one character mm-hmm. and it's hard like it's hard to imagine anyone else with like as far especially amongst like the pantheon of disney villains and they're all great um he's probably first or second in my brain as far as like best disney voice like it's it it swap it swaps between him and like jeff jeremy irons from and they're kind of like similar characters in a lot of ways because they're very like hmm kind of villains you know like very like sassy kind of yeah there's a little there's some like subtext i'm sure you can like dig up for either one of those care for either one of those characters that you could you know sort of allude to um uh, Gilbert Gottfried as uh, as Iago is just um, is definitely a very memorable character for sure. There's no denying that. I, there's a reason he's the he became the Affleck Duck for 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 the time he was. <laughs> I, I I think one of my favorite things in the movie is when Iago, like Iago's voice literally changes to another character's voice. And it's just like it's literally just <laughs> a different actor voicing. It's like, ooh, what are you doing with a Jasmine voice? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have the power to get rid of you. <laughs> you. Uh, but there's one thing I can't believe it's taken us this long to discuss this part of the movie, and I think right up there, Robin Williams is the reason for the to see this movie, and that's the songs. Some of the best, like just songs in general. I mean, you told you could tell how upset I was when I couldn't, you know, continue, because I love I love <laughs> so the passion is there. <laughs> but no, like seriously, the songs are iconic. I mean, I think a whole new world is probably the most prominently like beloved song. I would imagine, you know, it's it's like it's a great love song, you know. It's the first, like, whenever I think of, like, Disney romance songs, that's probably the first one that comes into my mind, is A Whole New World. And it's such a, like, nice moment. I think it might be one of the, one of the best, I, I think it might be the best Disney love honestly, song. Honestly, it honestly might you know, be, yeah. And this is coming, this, this is coming from, this is coming from somebody who's, like, I think, like, my favorite, like, Disney princess movie is Beauty and the Beast. But, like, that song is, ju- it's just so good. Like, I feel like the lyrics, it captures everything about about that moment in the scene but also just love and just you know feeling trapped and all, all the all the stuff we talked about and, and like it, gotta it's, give cre- it 
Uh, you got to give Alan Menken did the music for this and a number of other Disney things, including Beauty and the Beast, but also the lyrics um, on the songs in this, the late Howard Ashman um, and Tim Rice. And I mean, in addition to that, you got to talk about, um, you know, a friend like me, of course. Yeah. Which is a, a great, as you said, like one of the best introductions to any character. Just that yeah. the whole sequence. Like, like it literally is like one of the one of the absolute best introductions and it, it like it's it's kind of like on one hand it's kind of an info dump like it's an exposition thing admittedly but it's the best way to do something like that and and you got robin williams doing it um and it's and it's funny too like those two songs are probably the two songs that stick out the most like you know i i, I do love Prince Ali and I do love like Arabian Nights and a few of the other songs, but those two are probably the ones that I'll always like gravitate to, gravitate towards the most. And it's on that note, I would say that um, if like when I was watching the the Guy Ritchie version, which is still weird to think that he made an Aladdin movie, but you know it is what it is. Um, in my brain, I said if at the very least, if I didn't at least enjoy those two versions this this movie's versions of those songs then this whole movie would be trash and while friend like me is is entertaining and i was surprised that i did end up enjoying it i did very much like that ver that movie's version of a whole new world i agree so I, yeah. i'll give i'll give him i'll definitely give him credit for doing a really good job for both of those mm -hmm. um but you do make a good point because because with with a whole new world because it really is about um not just love but also like seeing the world and explore like and like getting getting out of your your being stuck situation i think i think my favorite like lyric is when she jasmine's like i can't go back i can't go back to where i where i used to be you know i, I just think it's it just i think it just says it all you know um and it really i think about also too when um again i think about what I, I saw Alan Menken, who did the music for this. Um, I saw him live in concert with Allison at D twenty three a couple years ago, and he talked. And he was talking about like the like it was about the time like the AIDS crisis was going was going on um, around the world, and one of the few like comforts that he had you know, watching with his with his kid was those old Disney movies. And I think Aladdin is like some of the best, especially some of the best movies of the Disney Renaissance, really provide that like comfort, you know, that comfort aspect. You know, I think about, uh, you know, and it those movies are right up there with the likes of, like, Snow White and Bambi and Cinderella and some of those, um, you know, they really, and a big part of that is, uh, with any Disney movie, but really with this movie are the, are the songs, um, of course. I mean, there's a reason Alan Menken has come back to visit that material with a lot of those remakes, even. Cha-ching! I mean, but also that, too, but, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> all right be cynical that's fine <coughs> you, you gotta i'll be the optimistic one is a bit ironic um <laughs> no but i mean you know, no he i does, think no, he does a I good job i think what he does when he tries to i will i will material. like i will say like like you can't help but like not that like you ever really need to go back like because when you make something, you just make it. But I think it shows how great that stuff was that he was that he would that he wanted to like, you know. It's it's I I I attribute it like with the addition of getting paid. Yes, 
Um, I attribute it to a lot to you love the material and it, it brings back good memories. So I imagine like because he, you know, he you, every time I see a video of him, he's always playing you know those songs, and, and you cl- you can clearly tell how much he loves that material. So I I, I imagine a huge part of it is also he likes doing it. No, yeah, I mean, and um, on the Aladdin, yeah. like on the Broadway, on the Broadway album, um, there's like a little thing with him and uh, James Monroe Englehart, who was the original genie for the Broadway version. Mm. And he, that they're doing like a bunch of like riffs on like you know classic uh, some of the some of the Renaissance. That's really cool stuff, actually. Yeah, if you ever get a chance, definitely listen to that. Um, it's kind of fun. He definitely he clearly loves it, and I didn't want to. I was just trying to be amusing because <laughs> he because clearly when he was at, it's <laughs> As a as a D at D twenty three, um, you know he clearly loved, and he it was really mm-hmm. amazing to hear him tell all those stories, especially when uh, when it came to like Howard Ashman, you know, because they did also who is an icon as well, icon, icon. I mean, as they say at the end of uh, Beauty and the Beast, he gave uh, a mermaid her voice and a beast his soul, and definitely provides mm-hmm. some some really good stuff, uh, good material for um, Aladdin, but. Also, one thing I have to bring up also, and it's just f- weird to think about that a movie from our lifetime has this. It has a content warning when you play it on Disney+. Plus. It, it does. I was I was kind of, like, I mean, I get it, but I was also, like, I, did, I, I f- completely forgot about that was going to show up. Because we watch it on, on Disney+, Plus and the message pops up, and I'm like, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it coming. It's just such a surprise. Yeah, but because it's like, listen, we talk about John Justin, you know, playing Ahmed, and it's like, guess what? Steve from Full House is Aladdin! (laughs) Freaking Steve! The funniest thing is, honestly, even funnier than that, is when they do the, try to do the remake, right? And there's still controversies with the casting, with the race of the people they're casting for Aladdin. Like... It just shows that they're still <laughs> they still can't get things right. It's like it's just funny. It's like even when you try, you still are like kind of like like you're just you're not just try harder. Just try just try harder. But you know it makes it makes me laugh a lot actually now because um going back to the second time I'm gonna reference Bo Burnham, but in his recent comedy special, he had a song called Problematic where he was addressing. Like, some of the stuff, his, like, old material and, like, how he just kind of wrote it, like, knowing it was offensive. Um, and there's a lyric in, in the song Problematic where he goes, uh, uh, when I was 17 on Halloween, I dressed up as Aladdin. <laughs> it didn't darken my skin, but still it feels weird in hindsight. <laughs> and then... <laughs> It just made It's just funny to, like, think about that, and especially knowing that there's an episode of Full House where Steve is his character, and you're like... Huh. <laughs> like people like argue like voice acting's like a little different, but it but e- even so, I mean, there's still like I think about like Apu on um on The Simpsons and uh, yeah, I think was it what was it um what what character? There was another character that like just had a new a new actor um take on there. Was there um is is Lenny the black guy out of out of two, like there's Lenny because there's Lenny and Carl. I, th- I I I I haven't watched The Simpsons in a long time. Yeah, neither have I. But like, but like, but there was another, a recent change in the voice act. I think because uh, Kevin Michael Richardson voices that character now, whereas it used to be voiced by a white actor before. So mm-hmm. 
And then Apu was Hank Azaria. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amongst, yeah. But yeah, it just again, it's 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 one of those things where with these Arabian, fa- I also think about Prince of Persia when it comes to that stuff too. Speaking of which, yeah. that's the one that gets brought up a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally a bunch of white guys in that one. Uh, mm. Though it's funny, like like it's funny because like that movie almost feels a lot like an Aladdin movie because it has yeah. the dagger of time and whatnot, um, and. Some of the actors who are very white have darker skin. <sighs> yeah. But it's there. It's there. We had... You have to bring it up, even if you don't. It's... Because it's there. It's it just it's also just shows that, you know, it is a relic of the pat, which is just weird because the movie isn't even 30 years old yet. <laughs> like, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> at least no. we're recording this recording this in uh, 2020 a movie came out in 1992 and, and it's got some time before it's 30 but uh yeah yeah i mean but it's it's wild it it, it is um but just to because i'm trying to think if there's anything else we wanted to bring up with this i'm just looking at my notes real quick i think we covered a lot of it oh uh, Ellie and, and uh, Rocio, uh, Rocio, you know, the, the two our, boys. our good friends, our good, our two dudes, <laughs> those two uh, dudes, Ellie and Rocio, who uh, you know have have brought have brought us so much joy on this show with Mask of Zorro, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, we're also very much involved in the in the story process of this one, um, and you could that like. Again, it's that I think they're just really good at adventure material and like and like having fun mm-hmm. with that story, that type of story. Because in a lot of ways, like yeah, it's a Disney musical, yeah, it's a romance, but it is, it is really an adventure movie in a lot of ways. It's it's an adventure story. They try he tries to go goes out to the, the the desert to find the cave of wonders. You know, even in the whole new world, they're going all around the world. Like even just the cave of wonders bit. Like I know we talked about it, but like I love I love the. Like the whole opening when he's got like the beetle thing, mm-hmm. like the scarab or whatever, and it breaks, and it becomes the eyes of the Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. That's Harry Potter. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Oh god, you could tell. You could tell it's been a long day. Yeah. Already, oddly enough, um, I'm feeling the effects of Space Jam Two. Still. And there's Harry Potter references, so that's probably what it is. Um, but no, the Cave of Wonders, mm, much better. Uh, and then like the the big head comes out, and it's like a big old like tiger lion looking thing. And it's just who disturbed my slumber? And it's I, I, I love that. <laughs> the, that that Frank Welker um, voice. Who it should be noted that. It, uh, Disney made a point of this too. One of their social media posts. He was the first actor to like reprise his role from the animated one to an original, like to like a live action version. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know later that year it was James Earl Jones who played you know played Mufasa in both Lion Kings, but in um, for Aladdin <laughs> it was it just came out a few months earlier. He uh, Frank Welker played Abu. In, in in both the original Aladdin and the and the live action remake, and Abu is an amusing character, 
and a Which, nod. Oh yeah, a nice nod to the character of Abu in the Thief of Baghdad. I mean, but even even just but obviously the comparisons don't end there. I mean, obviously there's genies in both movies, um, magic carpets and all that stuff, but also just even just little things like not just those like little details, but also like our central characters in both movies are more like I mean he's not you know Abu's like not necessarily the central character but he's the most important character but they're both thieves mm-hmm. and so like i think that was just the the more fun one of the more fun parts of watching the thief of baghdad and just seeing how much of it maybe inspired uh aladdin aladdin and uh like all the different little things here and there. Like obviously the stories, I think, are very different in, in how they approach. They also both are told essentially told in flashback. Yes, in a way, because the whole opening, the whole opening of the movie of Aladdin is uh, uh, the the marketplace guy who you know was voiced by Robin Williams because I guess it was supposed to be the genie at one point, but it was never like confirmed or denied or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because they never had another scene to say it, whether or not it was, but you can kind of tell given some of the you things. kind of just and even in other in other like versions, you know that that it seem that seems to be like the case. Like if I'm not mistaken, like J- James Monroe Englehart. I have never seen the Broadway version, but I've heard like his version of Arabi- Arabian Nights, and he's the one who sings it. So I assume that you know, so, yeah, they they make that connection, and then in of course in the live action remake, they have Will Smith doing that as like a yeah he's he's like a ship he's a ship guy he's a sailor <laughs> he, he's a sailor man <laughs> he's he's will smith the sailor man toot toot um and uh, like that character essentially says this is what happens this 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 here's this let me tell you a story about something that actually happened and with with thief of baghdad it's it's ahmed um, after being cursed, saying this is what happened to me, yeah, and so it's just it's kind of it's kind of cool, like a lot of the similarities the two movies had, yeah, and, like seeing how there was that inspiration. This is a good this is a good double feature, folks. This is a good pairing. It really is. Um, I think I think one of the other big things too with each of these movies it show it presents fantasy in different ways. Like animation, I think is the ultimate way to present fantasy in a lot of ways. But a lot, yeah. But but live action, like you can, it's like the first original, like this the the 1940 Thief of Baghdad and and the original as well. But like 1940 ba- Thief of Baghdad really shows that you can make a really compelling, like exciting fantasy film in live action when you use the right techniques. You got the right people behind it. You got the right actors playing their roles to what they need to be for the story. Um, you know, and I just think that this type of story is still still appeals to people to this day, like you know, granting wishes and, you know, flying carpets mm-hmm. and, and heroes and stuff. I mean, the, the new Aladdin, I know a lot of people said, ugh, there's no Robin Williams. There's no this, there's no that, whatever. It still made a billion dollars, which shows that not just that Aladdin is, you know, a big deal, but that people love that as sort of escapist fantasy that love that, you know, Arabian or that love the Arabian fantasy, you know, when done well, um, basically, you know, your mileage may vary on the remake, but still, um, it's there. It's there. It's it's there. But folks, what are your thoughts on each of these movies? Uh, are you more interested to check out the 1940 Thief of Baghdad 
after hearing about you know the similarities it has to Aladdin. And what are your thoughts on Aladdin? <laughs> and you know what? If if possible, if you had three wishes, what would you wish for? Oh, I'm there curious, you go. Actually. That's a good that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, let's if know. you had if you had three wishes, let us know what you would wish for. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Each of us are on Letterbox. We have a YouTube channel. Check that out. Um, otherwise, uh, we hope you check us. One of our, at least one of our wishes would be, we hope you check us out next week. And I wish you have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys again. Geniuses, the both of you. And, of course, next week, get very excited because we are doing an entire episode focused on Mr. Jim Henson. <laughs>